This is Sideline Stories. Hear from your favorite Whitecaps FC players and personalities like you've never heard them before. Here's your host, Perry Solkowski. When you are an assistant coach in the sport of soccer, you usually have a story or two. And the Whitecaps assistant, Martin Pert, is no exception. When Pert was 12 years old in England, his grandfather gave him his first book on soccer tactics. The Vancouver assistant coach loved it immediately. His grandfather was also the one who told him eventually, give up the dream of being a player, letting Pert know who was with Norwich City. Maybe he wasn't that good anymore. A tough reality, nothing that Pert was shocked or surprised to hear. He then started his path to stay in the game as a coach. Determination and drive were the cornerstones to his early education. He wrote letters turned into a great soccer observer, going to as many clubs who would allow, absorbing everything he could and trying to gain as much knowledge as possible. His love for the game and travel made for the perfect combination. His mentors were many, including basketball legend Pat Riley, who was coaching a Miami Heat team led by Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade. Pert spent months doing whatever odd job was needed around that organization, absorbing everything. For Pert and his family, soccer is a great adventure. He has adapted to many things, including embracing media and understanding the importance of new forms of media, such as a podcast. When we visited to do an episode of Sideline Stories, Pert talked about the importance of opening up and the new ways that the game of soccer is being sold. I think the three years that I've been here has opened my eyes in terms of the, the, the power of media in terms of creating more storylines. And I think the public are more interested in um, the kind of the myths about professional sport and they want to find a little bit more about people. So I think it's not strange to be here. In England, would it happen? Probably unlikely. Unlikely, this type of thing is very formal press conference type work with the media. And this type of thing doesn't happen as often as it should probably because people have a real thirst for that. Do you think think it will change eventually? in England that, that everything will have to change? Or do you think some of the big clubs are so powerful enough they don't have to change their ways? No, I think that the, the power of, uh, in England, the Sky TV, the media now is, is so powerful in terms of the revenue they contribute to professional football, soccer, then um, I think they'll, it'll gradually get more and more involved in terms of this type of work where you can get a real feel for the person's personality and, and, and sort of... Um, delayer you know all the the kind of uh, uh i suppose barriers there are between professional sport and the general public yeah i, I you know i think we're finding it in some sports with and i know i've had conversation with carl about you know people wearing microphones because people have that that you know that appetite and that thirst to find out as much as they can as you said about the player or the coach but almost hear as much as they can as to what's going on in the field and that's where you weigh the balance how much can we actually let people know and how much do we have to keep inside? And I, th- I think that must be a challenge well, for coaches. I, I actually find that you know, watching the NFL and the, the documentaries and also the um, storylines they create, I find them fascinating. So I think it actually increases the, the first for people to more. I think it's, it's, it's more of a case of it enlightens people somewhat and they're even more intrigued because of it. I agree. And especially if you don't know the ins and outs of everything, right? Exactly. Which you might have with the NFL. Don't you find though, and everyone always says, the beauty of soccer is everyone knows everything. 
I could put my starting 11, your starting 11, I go to Martin, this is who should start. Is, is that maybe one of the, the barriers you think with soccer? Is it's, a, it's almost a know-it-all uh, well, sport? I think it's the same with... Uh, <laughs> it could be with others, yeah. And I, don't, I don't know if it's... it's I, I think that's the beauty of it. It is. The is opinions. It, the, the opinions of it. The, the beauty of it is that is everyone's got an opinion. For example, um, my missus is a hairdresser and I wouldn't for the life of me tell her how to cut hair or cut my hair or cut someone else's hair. But she'll come watch our game and she'll say <laughs> who played bad, who played well and, and uh, why didn't you play that that shape or what? And, you know, I like <laughs> I like that, you know. I, I, I enjoy that. I mean, it can be... Um, do you actually explain to her or do you just go, oh, honey, relax? She, uh, I, I made that mistake once with my wife coaching my daughter. She said, why is she on the right side and she's left footed? And I said, you know, don't worry, she'll cut in on her. And it was a uh, boy. I had a conversation back at home after not yeah. explaining it. Can yes. imagine. Well, she's she's from a family of nine, four brothers. Um, she's from Brazil, where you know football yeah. is great, is uh, you know just as passionate yeah, as as England, perhaps even more, and, and probably the same as hockey is here. And you know, I think there's probably about five or six dates into our our um, sort of relationship. We I went to. Arsenal Barcelona Champions League game. I think the semi semi final or quarter final. So that's a pretty good date for date number four, my friend. Yeah, yeah, not not bad. <laughs> I, was, I, I was, you know, obviously like this. I was trying, yeah. and um, she she said something about the game and this, and I was like, she knows what she's talking about. This isn't. This is going to be oh, good. Really? <laughs> oh, really? This is okay. This is okay. <laughs> she doesn't really love. She doesn't really love uh, football, but she knows enough. She knows enough to have. Uh, a conversation about it and i i'm not thinking you don't know what you're talking about she she knows she kind of knows what's going on uh I'm, I'm going to imagine do you have uh not constant but is is football or soccer a, a topic of conversation with the brother-in-laws uh considering yeah. what you do now with brazilian guys growing up there yeah yeah i mean they i mean you know we'll talk you know soccer and same you know my brother my dad you know it's just it's soccer 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 really you know and it, it, it's the opinions and the different things that you can talk about and it feels like there's never a the good thing about soccer is that there's no um there's no end in the conversation it doesn't sort of finish you know it's, it's constant it is uh what was life like growing up in the pert family how many brothers and sisters did you have and was soccer everything for you growing up so i I've got a, a sister that's younger and a, and a brother that's younger. The, the sister is the youngest, and uh, me and my brother are very close, we're a couple of years apart. Mum and dad, rural um, upbringing. Uh, dad was, a, or dad is a coal merchant, you know, run his own business. And uh, all I can remember um, is a really happy childhood and soccer being just dominant. It just, it, it just, part of my life from the age because, of about five because or six. was your dad a, a big fan big fan was a, was a was a decent player had uh trials at chelsea um and oh i mean so you're not a decent player you're going he was a you know he, he was he, on the cusp yeah he i mean he represented his his district and his city and things like that so he was a he was a, he was a decent footballer and you know i can remember birthdays and christmases and the present you looked for was was your football strip you know you got one a year um you got one football a year and the whole, you know, we had uh, tickets to our local team, Norwich, and um, 
you know, once every two weeks, me and my brother would get on the bus with my dad and his mate and we'd, we'd go to the pub and, uh, you know, we'd have a packet of crisps and, and chips and dad would have a couple of pints and we'd go to the game and, and come back. And that that was a, um, you know, I, I can only think of happy times in that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I can remember the first time he took me to Anfield, which was me and my brother used to support Liverpool. And uh, we, we stepped out onto the top of the terrace and you, you could feel the you know, hairs on your back and neck. And I can feel it now. I can feel the hairs on the back of my yeah. neck now. As I, as I stepped out there and could feel, the, you know, the and I've been in love with the game ever since. Yeah. No, I, I, people ask me, I've been lucky to do a lot in my career, but if they want a moment, I go, when I walked out of the little concrete area with my daughter, and wife uh, to see Barcelona at Camp Nou and just saw the yeah. pitch. And yeah. I just, well, I'm like you now, I'm going, that was just, you go, wow, this is something special, right? Yeah. Um, did you live and die supporting Liverpool and Norwich or were you such a, were you a passionate fan or did you watch it to learn? Me, probably the learner. I always, always I, huh? I, I think from, uh, I can remember getting my first tactics book at 13 um, and my granddad bought it for me. Granddad was like, I used to go Monday nights, Monday night football. Grandin was uh, 150 yards away. I used to go there. Gran used to make tea and used to watch football with my granddad. And he bought me my first uh, tactics book when I was about 13. And uh, I always wanted to be a coach from then, I think. Even, really? though, even though I was still, you know, you know the first. Were, were you a good player? I was decent. Um, I was a fullback. I played for Norwich City as a young player. And, uh, you know, in my team, we had, you know, a couple of players, you know, Bellamy, who, who went on to be a top player and the, and the right back at the time Danny Mills he went on to play in the World Cup quarterfinal against Brazil for England so we had, we had some good players and at 20 I didn't make it and uh, my granddad who, who's probably the biggest influence I mean you can see his picture in in the in there he's a coal merchant and he, he said to me you're not good enough really he said you're not, you're not good enough to be a footballer he says you you know you got you got the attitude you see, you've got to be positive. You always got to do whatever you got to do. You got to do it with enthusiasm. You got to be positive and you got to do it with enthusiasm. And he used to work really, you know, really hard. And that's probably rubbed so off on me. So did you have that when you're 16 or 17? Were you that positive and you were enthusiastic about playing? Yeah, yeah, loved it. So you loved it and you had it. But at 20, he tells you... Uh, well, I got released from Norwich. Um, yeah. it, was, it, was decent, it was a decent team. You know, they were in around Premier League at that time. And, you know, and I'd come up through the ranks and he said that i then went to cambridge united which you know the university yep. city but the smaller team fourth division and i didn't enjoy it and i thought matt he's right he's right so i went to um i decided to go to university and went to university while i was there i was like did a year as a management accountant i was like this ain't for me uh, it sort of rang, rang home, you know, do it with enthusiasm, be, you know, whatever yeah. you're going to do, do it with, do it with some, yeah, exactly. So I, I thought, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a football manager. That's what I'm going to do. And my mates at university laughed, you know, like, like laughing and, you know, you know, going on to work for Goldman Sachs and Pricewater. I went to Loughborough University and it was a decent university, management accountancy course. And I thought, well, now I'm going to be a football. So I saved the money, got in my uh, Ford Fiesta, and went 16 weeks around Europe. So I went to Denmark, uh, Bromby and Copenhagen, Dutch teams, Ajax, PSV, Heerenveen, um, through Germany, Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Spending so a week at each one. Are you just, are you phoning them in advance? I mean, I, mean, I, I wrote letters because it wasn't email. Yeah, it wasn't. It, so you wrote letters. Wrote letters, didn't get replies back, wrote another one. Yeah. Didn't get replies back, wrote another one until they eventually said, you know, 
you can come and watch training. And you were just asking to watch training. Watch Maybe training. have a conversation. Exactly. Maybe have a conversation and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, I carried on Milan and blah, 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 through France and then back up to England. I did like a report after it and went back to do my final year at university. And uh, I sent it to all different teams. And I sent it to a friend of mine at Peterborough and he handed it to the youth team coach. Uh, the youth team coach, is, uh, his name is A.D. Boothroyd. Um, he's now the England under-21 manager, but at the time, he was a youth coach at Peterborough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he moved to Norwich, and he was the one who sort of really sort of helped me on, on my way, really. At that point when you're traveling and just, just watching and learning and then writing a report, do you have any license at all? A coaching license? Had you, had you already started to accumulate some? So, like I said, I was 13 when I really thought... Yeah, so you got your tactics. Hypoth- yeah, so... I, when I'm at Norwich as a youth player, you have to do your first level okay. as part of your apprenticeship. So I got my first level early. And then, um, you know, I just straight away then got my, uh, my B license by the time I was 23. Uh, and I think my A license was, was 24. So yeah, I was one of the youngest to get it at the time. So yeah, I, I think I got... So yeah, you had, you I, had I, some direction already. Yeah. I knew they weren't wasting time with a guy who just says, hey, I want to look at it. No, no. I'd had... Um, and uh, you know I'd had a a little bit of a playing career I'd played for Norwich like um, reserve team football so they they knew that I was not yeah yeah they could find out that you played a little bit yeah and had that interest yeah but it sounds like a lot of it was I mean do you know others who have that same kind of story where they were as persistent as you were I don't don't know anyone you don't know I don't know you just took a unique way and you just said hard work yeah so I just well the, the key the thing that I thought of was I, I want to do this. I want, you know, I want to do something that I enjoy the rest of my life. You know, I want to, I want to be, I want, to be honest, I, I actually just, it wasn't really a, a, a choice. It was just, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm just going to be a football coach and I've got to find a way of getting into the industry. So I've got to do something, you know, and it was a marketing uh, course in, at university. It was like unique selling point. And I was like, well, what's my unique selling point? Well, I'm going to go around Europe then. I'm going to because at that point, you know, now everyone goes on study visits and things and goes around teams. I'm talking 17 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, and I was in a tent and and going to like Ajax in the day and then coming back and and uh, you know I was at Ajax and the coach was there and uh, the, the father of one of the players um, was there who was a Colombian guy and I ended up meeting him and that's how I got into Colombian and South American soccer so it, it's all coincidences as the story sort of unravels but, but you know you go back to that marketing what are you selling you were selling you yeah you're selling you and it sounds like you're selling a passion yeah which, which has to be real and in conversation with you when you start talking soccer you're just going oh this guy loves it and everyone yeah. does but yeah. there's, there's something I think that takes people over the top and I suppose at that age and they start asking you they must have said this guy's really into this yeah, and, and uh, people had time, you know. I, I met um, the youth coach at Bayern Munich and he sat down in his office. I can remember clear as day sitting in his office and I'm thinking, you know, I'm 21 years old, youth director, and he had a pristine desk. It was, there was nothing on the desk. I thought, you look organized. And, uh, <laughs> or he doesn't do anything. Or he doesn't do anything. <laughs> and um, I remember sitting in there and he, he, he was actually genuinely... Uh, excited that I was there you know that yeah. a young kid that was yeah. you know he was um willing to help uh, I met Franco Baresi in Italy um and he sat down and he you know for coffee and that so I think people 
when people made that, I mean, it's, it's different now. Isn't it? There's so much travel and people can do it so easily that it's different. But even like, last week, we went to South America and uh, me and Robbo were in Argentina. And we're in Buenos Aires and I get up at five in the morning, get in a car and drive three hours north to Rosario, which is a, um, the next biggest city. It's just three hours north, arrive at 8.30. 9 a.m. I meet Marcelo Bielsa in his house. And he's, just as when I was a little, uh, young 20-year-old and they were teaching to me, he was the same. I sat down at a table not so different from this and he talked football for me for three or four hours. And he was generally humble and interested in the fact that I would drive driven all that way to see him, to listen to him, but talk about football and then drive But back. you had had a relationship with him because you've mentioned his name before, right? Yeah, yeah. You're almost one of those guys who've had the opportunity to watch him train with yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. And so he must appreciate that. Obviously, the relationship continued. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And is that not, I think people don't understand that with a lot of things, no matter what your occupation, but really in soccer, it so much is, is relationship-orientated now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whether it's the relationship with the coaches, the players, every, everything's based on relationships, you know. So you go from the kid who gets his chance and, and decides to do the, I'll call it the university book report of going to some of the greatest soccer uh, franchises and clubs around. Where's your first job? So my first job then, I was looking to get a job at um, Norwich, going back uh, home. And then Cambridge United, um, my youth coach at Norwich, when I was a player, um, his brother then took over as a youth development officer at Cambridge. And it's Dan Ashworth, who's now the technical director of the English FA and the one who's appointing the New England manager. Oh, okay. So he's, he's worked his way up as well. And um, he gave me my first chance as an under-14s coach um, at Cambridge United. And I had a season there. And at the same time, I was working uh, for my dad, um, delivering potatoes for fish and chip shop restaurants and um, doing some lecturing at, universe, at a college so you're carrying three jobs because you need the money, but the one with the passion and enthusiasm is you're coaching the 14-year-olds. Yeah, and I'm driving there, probably getting there at six, coaching six till, because evenings, you know, it's not like a residency here, working six till six till eight and then driving back to an hour and a half. So getting home about 10, 10 o'clock and then back out to work to my, next morning with my dad delivering potatoes. So And at any time at that point, are you going, this is too much? Or it was still fuel was going, this is fantastic, dad. It's long days, but I love... I love the last couple of hours of my day when I'm on the field. Uh, there was a point when I remember driving to, um, I was also doing soccer schools, set up my own business of soccer schools to get a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. So you got paid. I, I didn't really want to live with mum and dad, you know, I'm 23 at this point. Didn't want to, and, and England's that type of thing where you don't want to live with your parents, you know, you want to get. So I was doing soccer schools as well. And I, I remember doing a soccer school in between Cambridge and Norwich. And I came out of it and his kids were crying and screaming and all this kind of thing. You know, I'm talking five, six-year-olds. Okay, you're babysitting. I, babysitting. I, 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 saw it, I call it soccer club, but it's really babysitting club. You know, you're playing games and that. And I remember then going to the supermarket to go get some soup or something before I went on. And I was like, do you know what? This isn't, this isn't the greatest, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mates, um, I think it was just after my mates had visited. They'd been working... Uh, a couple of them for, as stockbrokers in in London, and we went out, and they're like got loads of cash, and I'm like, this isn't great. And I remember picking up a soccer book in as an interview with Roy Hodgson, and I read it, and I was like, nah, do you know what? I'm, I'm doing the right thing. 
uh-huh. and and drove to Cambridge and then didn't even think about it. And then two years of two two years of doing that, I'd already I then got my A license, which was um, I was really pleased to get, and I felt like I was getting somewhere. I'd, I'd gone to work for Norwich as well as under 14s coach, um, just working for a Premier League team uh, in youth development. I was close with a guy called A.D. Buford, who was a youth team coach at Norwich, the guy I mentioned earlier. Uh, and I was doing quite well. And he moved to West Brom and he asked me to go there um, full-time at West Brom in the youth department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was I was so happy um, that I could have a full-time job yeah, in football. selling potatoes for fish and chips. You're, you don't have the three jobs. You have one soccer job now. Well, I didn't football. get The job didn't come up. Oh. So he... he and he offered he offered me the job. It's I think it was thirty thousand pounds at the time, and uh, and he's close. He's a real close friend of mine. And just as about, about as he's going to do it, the the manager at West Brom, because he's head of youth, the manager at West Brom says, "Look, I do not care about youth. I care about the first team. Uh-huh. So, you know, you're going to cut your budget." So AD then thinks this isn't for him. So he goes and be his first team coach at Leeds United. And I'm like, oh my god. Now I've got no job at Cambridge because I've I'm because you left it thinking you had this one because I'd left it. I've got no real. I'm doing my lecturing, which I'm getting a little bit more money for. Um, so I go and see AD, and he's like, you know, just got a, uh, and you know he's been a great. Uh, at that point, my granddad was dead, and he was kind of my role model. He says, look, you got to just get on with it and grow grow up, be tough. You know, you look people in the eye and I'm like, okay. So I went home and I'm like, do you know what? Last time I was like this, I went around Europe. This time I'm going around, I'm going to do another trip. So I had seven grand in the bank because West Brom had to give me, they, they, it was, it was more than just the job. They, they'd actually got me to go there. So they then paid me off 7,000. So I got 7,000 pounds. I'm like, right, I'm going. So I, I booked the trip. Um, Montreal, fly into Montreal and fly out of Rio de Janeiro and then find my way there. So I flew into Montreal and I went down all the way down the East Coast, stopping at like uh, Olympics, uh, Lake Placid, um, a guy in periodization of training in Toronto, uh, different sports teams. Like there's a guy at, um, at the time, a uh, basketball coach at uh, Connecticut that was doing well. So I went and spent time with him, watched how they set up training and learned. And again, although at this point, are we on emails? Are you writing letters to say, here's who I am and this is what I'd like on to do? On the emails, emails. Now it's, you're on to the emails. It's 2004. 2004. So, so we progressed from the letters, handwritten, to emails, but essentially asking the same thing that you did. Can I come and watch? Around. Can I come and learn? Um, you know, Bill Ferran at Miami Heat, he let me stay for three months picking water bottles up and. Really? What, you know, watching Pat Riley and uh, learning about, you know, I was, I, was, I was sucking it all up, you know, I'm picking the water bottles up and running around, um, doing what interns do here. That's why I have a great affinity for, you know, people that work hard as interns. And I was trying to pick up on like the messages that Pat Riley was doing for the players. Did you have a lot of conversations with them or did you just watch quietly or did they know your, your whole plan? No, I was ambitious. I was like, you know, you're letting them know this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Yeah, I want to be. I want to be. I want so to be you were the coach. soccer guy. You're yeah, the, you're the coach yeah. soccer guy from England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll do anything just to be around. You know. So what? So that's Pat Riley's Miami Heat team. Miami Heat team: Dwayne Wade, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, it's his good Miami Heat team. Did the year they win it? 
I, I don't know. It was 2004. Sure, the year they won, but they, yeah, they had the stars. They had the stars, and they had like the uh, the mission they had to to go and win, and and you know the rules and the thing. And I was. So, if I'm to ask you one thing, you learned from Pat Riley. Uh, it was definitely a distance between him and the and the players. Money gap, you think, because they made so much money and they. No, no, and, and the distance he still had. No matter how much money they made, he still had an authority over them. Yes. They were still, I wouldn't say the word scared, but they had big respect for him, you know? Yeah. There was a, he, he was clever at creating a distance. Very good conversation with the players, but there was still a distance. Yeah, didn't get to be their best friend or anything. No, no. And they knew he, was, he meant business, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that was... Uh, so Miami, where else did you see on that trip when he went down to Rio de Janeiro then? So then I flew into, um, and I just finished my A license. So I asked my A license tutor, who was incredible i said to him right i need, I need you know this is there's nothing non-negotiable i'm going to be a football coach what, what can i do he says learn a language you know not many english coaches speak a language okay so i flew into roatan in honduras yeah. and uh traveled a bit to see different cultures of of um central america and then i did uh three months um spanish in guatemala so that's how I started my Spanish. Yeah. So I started my Spanish um, in Guatemala, and then went into Colombia to learn about Colombian football. And the, the coach, who was uh, son, played for Ajax. I met him, stayed with his family for three weeks, and watched Colombia. You're still stretching that seven thousand dollars because you're really good with money. If you're, or were you when you doing some of this work? Was any of it? Did you get any pay at all from? The majority of the work I did, I got accommodation free. So okay. I didn't. I didn't pay that much for accommodation, and I went back with two thousand. So I spent five. Five for how long? Uh, it was twelve months. Twelve months? You spent five grand? Yeah. You got to write a travel book. No. <laughs> That's pretty good. I, but I, you're eating your anyway, teams, probably, right? You're, you know. I'm finding all ways to f save money. All, yeah. all ways to save money. I mean, I can remember having a coffee when I went back. My mum and dad bought by. I went out with mum and dad, and they bought me a coffee. I think it was Starbucks, and I was like, I hadn't had one for twelve months. Yeah. Like go in and buy. It's yeah. too expensive to buy a two dollar coffee. Um, I'm not crying it in because it was a great trip. So, oh, it's fascinating that you can do it all on that. And I, I traveled through Colombia all the way down to Argentina. So the Colombian uh, gentleman, the, the guy I stayed with, he had a friend in Buenos Aires. So then I rented a uh, for four weeks in Buenos Aires, and he was studying on a course, and he took me to all. The, all the different teams watching Argentinian training, watching kids train, watching youth teams. I'm, I watched football seven, eight hours a day wow. in uh, Argentina, and it was brilliant. Are you writing stuff down constantly? All the time, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, have, I have these, and uh, you know, this is the third one this season. And I'm Notebooks, you're just writing stuff down. All the time. Um, and then traveled to Brazil. I went to... Uh, Foz de Guazú to see the, the waterfalls, which is ironic because my wife's from there. So it was, I didn't meet her till much later. But then I went to Curitiba and uh, saw the teams there and to Sao Paulo and then so to Rio. So you get all that information, a wealth of information, and you get to talk to some great leaders of sports teams. You take that and that gets you what opportunity then? Okay, so as I am flying back, I'm in the airport in Rio de Janeiro. My friend, A.D. Bufoy, mm -hmm. I look at the Daily Mail. He's just been appointed manager of Watford FC in the second division in English football. 
So I fly back that day. A week later, I got my first job in professional football with a first team at 27 years old. So I'm 27 years old. At the time, I think I'm ready for this. You yeah. know, I'm re- he, he says to me, you can, he's not sure. He gives me, um, I, I stay in his house and he gives me two weeks. Almost like a probation to see if you could handle it. With a first team, because you're talking about 35 year olds. Yeah. That have played in the Premier League yeah. and kids and all, all the, you know, this, this is a championship team, you know. Um, two weeks, uh, it must have been four days. And he says, you know, no probation. You go on, you, 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 you do, can do it. You can do it. And, that, you know, the confidence he gave me um, and the confidence I got from that year, that season we got promoted to the Premier League on the lowest budget, uh, I think, in the history of um, modern times. Uh, mm-hmm. And the confidence I got from that, and then, uh, you know, on, the, on Sundays, he wouldn't come in, the first team coach wouldn't come in, and I would be left to work with the, with the players on my own. And I was 27 years old. And I was How did you win them over, do you think because your resume doesn't speak that you played at the I, highest I, level? I don't. Be, I don't believe in that. Coached? I don't. Be, no, I know. But but I'm saying that might be the point of the athlete. Going, who is this guy? Yeah. And and they might be 29. Some of them, I'm sure, were older. Well, Malky Mackay, who was 33. Yeah. Um, had, had played for Scotland, and you know, uh, obviously he's one of my best friends now. So obviously, so how, one, do you, so how do you win him over? Good training. I I just learned so much about what. And you know, going all over Europe and going, all, I, I could, I, I could see players. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an idiot, I don't think. So I could see what worked and what didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I thought, right, I'm not going to coach them too much because I'm 27 years. Old. My job is not to talk too much to them. My job is to put on really good training, drills that are really uh, they can learn and they can do themselves and um, they enjoy. But they're really getting good work in, and it's not just uh, five versus five and you yeah. know, really good practices. So. And I made it organized. Um, and, I, you know, I was a strong enough character to say, look, you know, no messing about. But I'm not, I'm not going to shout and bark. But I, I, was, I remember the first day I said, you can take the mick out of my big nose and that. But, you know, when you do the work, do the work. That's it. Yeah. And uh, I think over time, you know, pretty quickly, they... But, well, you, obviously, they're enjoying what you're doing. They see it works instant results possibly yeah and they're and they're and they're they're, they're happy with it they, they're not uh silly so they're pretty com- they're telling the man you know, the manager's not going to let the whole season go by by me taking training on sundays if the players aren't happy the players are saying this is good this is you know he's good and you know that's sort of that sort of really uh gives you an incredible amount of confidence mm-hmm. so from watford that's your start you've now proven you so and you know gradually you know i'm i'm, I'm there at watford um, I'm 27. By the time um, 80 leaves, three and a half years later, I'm more or less. I'm not assistant manager because we've got an old um, Keith Birkenshaw's assistant manager. He's 72 and he won the UEFA Cup with Tottenham. So he's the assistant with the. But on the pitch, yeah, I'm the assistant manager. Yeah, he's more glorified as an ambassador, he's, right? And he's a great knowledge and sounding yeah. board for the manager. But on on the pitch, I'm more or less the assistant manager. You know, in the, in the so I'm 31, 80 gets the, um, the sack from Watford. You know, we've come down from the Premier League. We've got to the FA Cup semi-final against... But Demerit on the team at that point? Demerit is in the team. He, he scores yeah, the goal. He scores the goal to get to the Premier League. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, he was in the Premier League team and the FA Cup semi-final team. We... Um, 80 goes after we, we fail in the playoffs to go back up. And then he goes the next season. And then Brendan Rodgers comes in. 
and he um, brings in his own people. So I go, um, and I go and work for Fulham for um, for six months. Uh, Roy Hodgson's the manager. Another, it was it was not an enjoyable uh, job in terms of the work I was doing. I was just doing rehab, you know, players that are yeah, you're coaching. No, players that are close to um, returning to play, like football-specific uh, drills and that. So, but I was able to observe, you know, Roy Hodgson. Yeah, so you're in, you're in an observing role again. I'm in an observing role again. And then at the end of that season, uh, Malky Mackay gets the manager's job at Watford and asks me to come back as as a coach. So I go back in you know Watford for a season, and then um, at 32. AD gets the uh, a job at Coventry, and that's my first official job as an assistant manager at 32, Coventry City. And, and I can remember thinking at the time that this is the this is the peak, you know. At 32, assistant manager of championship championship team. Six months later, we're sacked, and I'm like, and you're like, really? What do you do now? Yeah, that floored you probably because you're doing everything you've worked so hard to get there, and and you know. It's such a, a fascinating job you guys have, but it's such a cold reality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're done. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 then the, the uncertainty comes in. You know, you 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 first couple of weeks you're chatting to everyone. Everyone calls you. Yeah, all your mates and that call you. And then you know, a month down the line, you've got no one. No one's calling anymore. No one's calling anymore, and you're like, what do you do? And you know, you go back to, you know, I've chosen this profession. I'm not gonna. Um, go back to what worked I suppose and that was going around seeing teams and you know getting out and so I did a um I did uh I downloaded all the games and this is before like why scan I downloaded all the games of um Chile from the World Cup in 2010 and I did um uh, basically breaking down their how they played and things like that sent it to Bilbao where Bielsa was and not expecting anything too much and then he wrote back and said you know brilliant you know you got to come over and so that funny is those, that's how your relationship starts that's how my relationship starts so from actually getting the sack actually worked out quite well for me um well but that, i would have to say that's the attitude that you've had though to take it right you get you get fired and take it upon yourself with your own time to go i'm going to break this down and prove to this guy how knowledgeable i am yeah um well yeah, hopefully and on my pro license, you know, I I, I did my pro license with the, with the English FA and, you know, the ex-England manager, Peter Taylor, I don't know, he was coach at um, Leicester and that, he was on it. And so I'm, I'm married, I'm married a month um, and we're in Brazil on honeymoon and I haven't got a job and I'm really, you know, Bella's brilliant. She'll tell you, uh, I was really pain in the ass. You know, I'd, I'd just been... Uh, nailed as an assistant manager first time and I was like oh where do it go now what am I going to do what you know da 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 she's like come on let's enjoy the get you know just been married this is a honeymoon and you know yeah. I'm like yeah 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 yeah. but deep, deep down deep inside down, I'm like I gotta find work yeah. I don't get, I've, got, I've got to find you know find somewhere to earn money and I and she goes yeah you earn money I said but I've got to earn money in football I've got to do it you know yeah. Peter Taylor calls never spoke to him once on the course so he just watched me he was uh, observing and, and he says, oh, I'm going to be a national team manager of uh, a country. Do you want to come as assistant? I was like, oh, brilliant. So, so happy. I was just so relieved, so relieved. 
for, and then you could enjoy the honeymoon, I suppose. But um, and then uh, so you got manager manager of Bahrain national team of the Middle East. See, I, you know what I told you because we've been talking for thirty five minutes. Remember, I said you got the most interesting story of everybody, and we <laughs> haven't even got to Bahrain. So I tell you what. At the end of the day, I will thank you for this, and you know that we will sit down again at another time as we do all these sideline yeah. stories because I know in, in what I've read and heard, you've dealt with so much in Baran and so different, and we yeah. haven't, we're still probably five years away before you get to Vancouver. When you talk amongst coaches and you're having a pint or something, do you ever think, geez, I got a pretty good story here? Uh, or is there, are there others that you go, yeah, that's comparable to what I was doing? Yeah, do you know what? I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't want to look back. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still, you know. Yeah, you're still writing it. I'm still, I'm still enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm in another city. I'm traveling around. You know, just been down to South America again, and I just, you know. Do you love that part of it? Love it. Does your wife love that part? And now you have a family. Do you love the fact? It's not the unknown, but you. There still could be so many incredible twists. Yeah, no, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, you know, because she's um, she's you know she's the same as me. You know, we she's she's uh, you know we met in London. She's from Brazil. She left home at thirteen. She's she's probably got a better story than me. Yeah, and so we just uh, we're on an adventure together. You know, we we call it we're on an adventure together. Yeah, and uh, we you know we take uh, each season as it comes. Each year, you know, we don't, you know, we stay in here because we love the place and enjoy the project. But we we're on an adventure together, and you know, we take each year as it comes. And you yeah, know, you know, something else will be around the court at some point. That's just the profession you're in. Yeah, and I think now I think I've got the, and I don't know the future, obviously, but I've got enough, I think, to know that something will work out okay. I was gonna if, say if that. I keep if I keep the same positive attitude yeah. and the same work ethic and I think that the, the, the thing that I just I, you know I don't have to worry about it I just love the game of football yeah. I, 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 want, I, I don't know enough about it yeah you always want to learn but that's what I wondered if you go back to that time when you're on your honeymoon you go my goodness I've got to make money for us but it has to be in football now your resume is you know is, is a nice one to look at where you know whenever it runs out in this city or you decide for something else it's like you know what I do know there'll be that next time. Yeah. You know, you're not sure where, and I don't think you ever are complacent because you're always trying to learn, but it must be nice to feel that, you know, I, I think everything will be okay. I'm not sure where we'll be, but in five years, I think we'll be okay. I'll still be in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think uh, uh, my missus says I'm the most contented, uncontented person that I'm. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good way to describe you. I'm, I'm content, um, being ambitious, you know, being uncontented, you know, I, I, I'd love to, you know, I love to look forward to, you know, whatever's next or whatever, you know. Is is the passion that you have to have your own team? You have to run your own team. You have to be the boss and the manager. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, I mean that would just be logical that you. Want yeah, to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm from 13 years old. You know, my my mom says that I, I was picking the team. Yeah. You know, and and I I feel that. Um, and at the same time, I've seen so many people go in it to it too early. I, I'm still learning about it. You know, I've got a great. Uh, boss to work for lets me have a lot of rope you know in terms of yeah. my my role 
Well, I, you do win the most interesting conversation, and it's so interesting. We will we will sit down again at some point as we continue this on. But uh, thank you for the time. No okay. problem. It was good. No problem. That's uh, sideline stories with the assistant coach of the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, Martin Perth. <laughs>